Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. Hey, Aries, you heard about that new uh, podcast app called Anchor? I sure did, Andy. Guess what? It's time to pay some bills. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. And they have tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And we know you know about that money, Jew boy. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go download your Anchor app now for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today. Can you feel it, baby? That money? Yeah. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? Okay, we gotta figure out something these people like and fast. All right. We're in San Antonio, Texas, baby. How you doing? God damn it. This, is, this, is this the south? Uh, this is actually the south. But this ain't we hang nigger south. This uh, is more like just stay in your part of town nigger south. Depends on what year you're talking about. Okay, 2008. Well, shit, all the Mexicans <laughs> done took over, so ain't no, ain't no purebred... White Anglo-Saxon tobacco spitting, cowboy boot wearing, redneck having, dosey doe niggas here no more. It's all the Mexicans. Well, you know, it's that. That being said, the show was interesting because this was uh, a minority-heavy audience, but it was yes, but, but it was predominantly Mexicans, Mexicans and blacks. But a very a smaller amount of blacks, blacks yes, than Mexicans, like only twenty-five percent black, right? Probably right, seven, sixty. 70% Mexican. Fucking us white people ain't got much left. <laughs> About another 10 years from now, and all goddamn coloreds and beaners <laughs> having them babies. Pretty soon, white man ain't going to be able to have himself a small piece of goddamn pie. It's, good. it's a pie, but it's going to be like bean pie. Bean pie <laughs> and fucking uh, tortilla pie. <laughs> ain't going to be no more pure white apple pie. You white people are in trouble. You white motherfuckers are in trouble. <laughs> you niggas, we are easing you niggas out the game. Between the niggas and the spicks, white people, you guys are finished. You are fucking finished. You don't, you don't. You better start randomly fucking. When you meet each other in the streets, go, hi, Miss White Lady. Hi, Mr. White Man. Pull your panties down and get to fucking. You need more babies. <laughs> you niggas are finished. It's not going to happen from the wall is unnecessary. Uh, the fucking from the inside is yeah, just taken over. Just taken over. Did, don't you don't need no wall. You need to burn. Fuck the wall. Pull them panties down and get to creating. Mexicans, the niggas are taking over. <laughs> Goodbye, white people. You are finished. You are all finished. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, yo, fuck what Charles Barkley talking about. Yo, I like the women in San Antonio. <laughs> Them churros, them women in San Antonio is big. Them with them churros. <laughs> what they, they be eating, Chuck? What they be eating? Y'all, I, but you know, again, I think my fetish is I'm getting older. I like a thick, ham hock, robust bitch. I like a bitch that, you know, meaty. Like when you, what's that meat they make in the, 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 in the barbecue when you pull the bone out? Brisket? 
Is that brisket? No, what does it mean? What's that mean? When it's pork? Pulled pork. Yeah, pulled pork. Yeah, I like a Mexican women, like, right, if you, they knee. If you took out their knee, that, that's their meat. <laughs> they like pulled pork knees. Dude, there is some, like, cannibalistic people that just heard what you said and just were like, oh. Supper time. They just got hard. <laughs> Yeah, I like you thick uh, Hispanic bitches. I love it. San Antonio. This ain't, I, like I said, this club we're doing is Laugh Out Loud, which is 50 times better than the improv that they have downtown near the Alamo. That is a shit box. How do you feel really about it? Yeah, it <laughs> shit box, nigga. <laughs> but I heard that the owner said it's mainly tourists. And between parking and driving, that club is just doomed, but we're in a good one, uh, so here it be, man. Yeah, I, I don't like the uh, the Alamo made me mad because when I was 11 years old, I bought a knife from uh-huh. there because I was uh, doing my Huckleberry Finn time, and I was in Texas fishing in, in the lakes with bamboo poles, mm-hmm. and I needed a, a knife to cut my fish, and the knife, I, I spent all my money. I had $15, and I spent it and, on this knife, and uh, it rusted and broke in the first week, so I've been mad at San Antonio oh. ever since. Yep, I've been mad at mm. you in San Antonio. Yo, so before we did this, before we get into this, uh, I was watching um, the, the, an HBO documentary about Elvis. Yeah. Have you seen this? It's a two-parter. Yeah, I, seen, I think I've seen the first part. You know, it's interesting because uh, I remember when Eddie Murphy said on Delirious, when Elvis was young, Elvis was a bad motherfucker boy, Elvis. And, you know, and, we go, and, and I know the last podcast was very racial heavy, so we're going to stay away from race and lighten it up. But I do have to mention this one thing. You know, Black People's Association, what I, from all I ever knew about Elvis was that he stole a lot of music from black entertainers, which is what prompted Chuck D to say, Elvis was a hero to most, but he never meant shit to me as he's a sucker, a racist, simple and plain motherfucking man, John Wayne. And he did steal a lot of black shit. But Elvis was a bad motherfucker. He could play the piano, the guitar, sing his ass off. He had the sex appeal. He could for a white dude. He knew how to throw them hips. Um, damn, that motherfucker was dope, man. But to keep it light though, and stay on that just for a second. Yeah, Elvis. He he played music like what he learned from black folks at the time. Right. And I know that he gets he gets that stealing thing, but it was like people like Pat Boone who took like black music and then reformatted and then sang it like a white dude. And that's oh, the people that for, were real shits and giggles. That's the people who were stealing music. Please look up uh, Pat Boone and Little Richard, the two of them singing the same song. Yeah, it, it's it's that was stealing music. At least Elvis was doing what he was learning. This right. other shit was bullshit. Right. Um, and it was a part that actually almost made me tear up a little bit when he was. You know, Priscilla Presley is kind of narrating it along with other people that was in Elvis's life. And, you know, he had this song, I guess it was called Separate Ways. Um, and basically the song was about when a mother and father split, you know, but there's the love still there and the children involved. And, you know, it, it just it kind of reminded me of some of what I've been through. And she said, yeah, Elvis and I, you know, the love was always there. Well, even when we got divorced, we held hands in court. Like, God damn, I've never heard of that. Like, usually, you know, court is, we enemies, which death upon you, fuck you forever. But to, 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 and I'm going, why the fuck y'all break up? 
And the way that they shot it and they were showing clips of him with his daughter and you knew that the separation meant he'd be away from his daughter, the house would be empty, Graceland would no more feel like uh, this place, this safe haven for him to go to from a safety place of love and everything outside the world of show business and hysteria. And And I just, wow, it got to me, man. It got to me. Yeah. If it's a song you're thinking about, the Fine Young Cannibals redid that in the and that 80s. sounds awful. You, do you know what song I'm talking about? I almost think I'm getting it mixed up with the shit that Eddie Murphy did on Delirious. Uh, I live, a life is full, I have a leech, and every byway of the night. What's more than a... Excuse me. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> which, which I have to say, that to me from Delirious shows Eddie's pure and what I'm talking about is not just the singing yo he sounds like Elvis yeah he does and that moment I can't do it and like I said I have the Al Pacino thing now where my voice because all the drinking and smoking is a little gravelly but back then when I in my 20s I would imitate Eddie's moment and he hit those Elvis those little changes life is and everybody, I mean, Eddie really caught those tones and those notes, and it fucking and that brilliant. Excuse me, it was it was fucking brilliant, man. Um, and then they show when Elvis was in Vegas, uh, and dude, and I know you and I have talked about this. I still have a hard time accepting that people can be so impressed by you. And and when we get into this comedy thing, there's actually a piece in here that will allude to exactly with what I'm talking about. But that people get so fucking impressed by you that they 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 they're moved to tears and facial breakdowns and I just I look at that and I go that's ridiculous to feel something so deep for another motherfucker that eats out eats the same way you do and goes to the bathroom and shit and pisses just like you do. But people do it because it, it means something to them. This, this last night or the night before, this nigga put me on a button. Yeah. Put my pitch on a button. I've had, like I said, I've had people come up to me at my shows and hand me portraits that they worked on drawing me. Yeah. And, we'll, and I swear to God, I'm so happy we're doing this because this will really allude to that point. And, I, and I'm going to leave it there because I, I'd rather do it once we see this because... Don't forget about the guy who tried to who wanted to wear your skin. <laughs> we got to talk about him a yeah. little bit. Uh, the depths in which music and comedy move people—it's it's just crazy. Um, so yeah, uh, but here's what we're gonna do because uh, I, I saw this um, documentary called "I Am Comic." You familiar with this? Yeah, right? I've seen it. I, I never w- really watched it. I, I just knew about the piece where Carlos Mencia admits to stealing jokes. But I actually watched the whole thing yesterday, and there were so many moments where I was in my room talking to myself, going, oh, my God, this and this, and I don't agree with this, and we should talk about this. So here's what we're going to do. So bear with us, because through the power of editing, we are going to watch this and comment. Watch this and comment. Now, of course, you won't be watching it or hearing what we're watching and hearing, but you won't lose a beat because as we talk about certain things and stop to watch it, you won't know because through editing, we'll just all make it seem seamless. Seamless. So, 
Join us as we watch I Am Comic, the full documentary, and discuss it. We'll be right back after this commercial break. So in, 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 in watching that, uh, the first part of the documentary, Sarah Silverman talks about, and I know you mentioned this to me about Colin Quinn, about the importance of words. Words. Words are the... Um, and I don't know that I ever paid that much attention to it, but I think that does matter. Because I remember I was telling you about the prostate joke that I do where, you know, um, not to give the joke away, but long story short, I'm talking about me having a prostate exam and how uncomfortable black men are with that joke. Because number one, we have a stigma about doctors and hospitals. And number two, we are a homophobic community and we don't fuck around with our sexuality. Whereas white boys, you know, you know how you motherfuckers do. Y'all put your balls on your friend's face when he sleep at night and take pictures and upload it to the internet that's funny to white guys niggas don't play them them games but (laughs) you know me talking about hey at one point i got i i was uncomfortable with the doctor doing what he was doing so to make it fair i had to make him feel uncomfortable so i acted like i was into him putting his finger in my ass but then he out awkwards my awkwardness and he gets into it and then he goes now originally you know he goes yeah and i know you like that them is two fingers you little chocolate bitch but then i told you (laughs) as comics we sit and think about things and sometimes when it makes us laugh we go uh yeah uh Maybe the audience will feel what I'm feeling, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. But I just was thinking to the extreme: what if he was fisting me? Yeah, nigga, I know you like that, and that's a fist, nigga. And it's something about the fist, the power of the word, the power of fist that just it cracked me the fuck up. And I remember when I was telling it to you, I was going, I know the white guys may not have a problem with that, but I'm. It's a hard sell for the niggas with two fingers, a whole fist. They're not going to be with me. And I, and, I, and, I, and I keep promising myself I'm going to try it. Maybe tonight. Even black women weren't gonna, aren't going to go with that. Right, because, again, we're, we're homophobic. But, but, you get, but a black woman can't see you in that kind, of, uh, that kind of light and still be able to appreciate you as a, as a dude. Well, and then on top of that, even then, the audience groans a little groans. bit when I go two fingers. Groans are so great, though. I, I like the groan. But it's a good groan. Yeah, right. It ain't, it ain't oh, uh, it's, oh. Yeah. You know, uh, so, you know, when she says words, I'm going, you know, there, there, there's truth to it. And then the latest thing that I did this weekend was when I'm talking about how badly shaped black women are, fat black women. And at one point, I just, and it really killed on uh, was Friday, Friday, early. Friday early show, I said, fat black women are shaped like the shit emoji. And it got... Now, ever since I've done it since then, it's still doing well, but it's really got people going, oh, so now I'm going... Just like what Sarah said, poo is funnier than someone's duty, duty. or diarrhea is funny. The funniest. Right. So I'm like, yo, should I say poo shaped like the poo emoji, doodle emoji? Or shit. Doo-doo emoji, I think might. I that like might that. lighten it up a little bit, uh-huh. right? Because when you say shit, yeah. that's like the worst form of, yeah. you piece of shit. But doo-doo is, you know what? That might work. Yeah. Doo-doo. See, we're, we're working it out even on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I have a joke right now that I'm that you like and that I feel is just okay. Right. And it's just a word choice and right. that makes that joke work. And oh, you're talking about swell. Yeah, it's just that word. Without that word, that joke is nothing. You know, I still would say that 
nice would work, but not as good as Swell. Swell, Swell makes Swell, it. Swell, who's you think Swell? You think fucking. Andy Griffith and Mayberry. Exactly. Oh, gee, Andy, that's swell. Yeah. That the corniness and the whiteness of that. that that's that's what it worked. And, that's, and, and because you set it up with the whitest thing. I've ever said. And that's that's right on par. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. If, if you guys are really into comedy, I don't know if, if you'll get the same enjoyment out of watching a documentary that you will from watching stand-up. It's one thing to... Go watch your favorite movie, but that don't mean you'll enjoy the making of your favorite movie. Yeah, but I'm a documentary nerd. I love yeah. documentaries. So if you like documentaries, watch this. It's called I Am Comic. And there's another one called uh, When Stand Up Stood Out. And it's strictly about the Boston comedy scene and how that came to be. And uh, that's, that's, a, that's a great one, too. You know, Patrice had said that this, this documentary, documentary was sad. Uh, and, 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 and again, we're taking breaks to talk about what we're watching, but he's talking about it being sad. And yeah, there, are, there is some sad tragedy to this because, uh, you know, you feel like you might see some of it in yourself in terms of what people are going through. And you, you ask yourself, you know, you, have, you almost have to take a look at yourself in the mirror and go, damn, is that me? Is, is, am, I, am I living that life? But this comic who was really popular in the 80s, Rich Schneider, it's basically you know him trying to rediscover his love for stand-up and get back on stage after he's been out of it for like 12 years. And uh, just what he has to go through, and it's, it's, uh, uh, it's crazy. Because Patrice said there are two kinds of comics. <clears throat> One who goes to the people. Uh, and the second kind of comic is the one that the people come to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm the second one. People come to see me. Uh, whereas when you're, especially when you're starting out, you're going to the people. And when right. you got to go to the people, yeah, you might have to go to perform at the old folks' home or the banquet in the hotel or places that you really... The coffee shop. The coffee or- shop or that you really don't want to go to. So... Um, yeah, it's I, I just, it's sad, man. It's sad because the fact of the matter is everybody ain't going to make it. And depending on what your definition of making it is. That's the biggest part. What is your definition of making it? Right. And how much effort are you willing to put in to achieving that goal? But I think the sad part is what about when you've put in the effort to achieve the goal? And because it ain't just about talent. It ain't just about like Chris Rock. It ain't it's not about the jokes. Those other elements that are involved that you really have no control over, that's the part that sucks is when you've put in the work and you want it and you still find yourself on the other side of the velvet rope. And we know plenty of comics that have 25 plus years in and they headline. Right. But they're they're not famous. I mean, they're well known in the comedy community, but they're not making... And again, depending on what your definition of famous is, I mean, of, of making it is, because Brian Regan, I'm sure, has bank. Mm-hmm. This motherfucker has his own tour bus. Um, doesn't have a TV career, never had a TV career, doesn't have a movie career. And unless you are a fan of stand up, you probably don't even know who Brian Regan is. He's stellar. And he's 
he don't look unhappy. Well, I no. don't know what, what's in that man's head. I don't know what's in his heart if he wants TV and movie fame. But if he is as content and as happy as he seems to be, he's making it. Well, I, I think he has to be where he wants to be because, and that, and like you said, define your definition of making it because I, I think he's, as anybody in comedy, Brian Regan's probably more set up for a television show than anybody else I could even think I of. I can't even believe he doesn't, he's never had one. I bet he doesn't. And, I, I and here's what's crazy. He's squeaky clean, ding, huge plot, huge, and he's white and male and ding, funny, ding, and funny. Yes, the, the funny is a given. Yeah, but those other components and he's odd male, looking. white and clean. He's odd looking. I mean, not he's, he's he could be any, any TV, TV dad, yeah, right? Funny, goofy dad. Yeah. How is this man? Because he probably, that's not what, I, I, I would assume that you, it's not what he wants. You believe that? Because why, there's no way Hollywood passes over that. He, he, he sells out everywhere he goes. He is, he, so he has a built-in audience already. He's family friendly. He could be on any, he could be on, he, he could be on. And you really think he don't want I don't the think fame and does. the super duper riches? He's pretty, I think he's pretty rich. Wow. I, I think he is. But I know guys that have been doing it. 25 plus years and they're solid comedians and i think they're i mean i think a lot of people would trade in uh for some more wealth or for some more security but i know guys that just love doing comedy and i think they're happy in that position and just that not meaning comedy stand-up microphone brick wall not the love for comedy that also extends into television and film if if i could finish this with being a headliner and had the brick wall and the microphone and I was working regularly and could pay my bills and had a little extra. That's my definition of making it. Jesus. Okay. All right. I, I would, I would gladly accept more. My definition, I mean, cause I think I'm being reasonable with my, the age that I started, uh, my, uh, my ability and, and my determination. I think that's what that would lead me to feel like I, I was successful at what I was doing. Right. Um, and, you know, when this guy goes, I can't even imagine. He goes, I, I've been out of the game for 12 years. You know, you, we've had these discussions. If I'm out the game for two weeks, I feel lost. I get the shakes. I'm rusty after a week. Like, I, I don't like, I, I can't, I couldn't imagine staying away for that long and trying to pick it back up. Well, and like what he said, he says, uh, "I've been out for twelve years, and the and the game's moved on." And well, the game's gone. always going to move; always. It's, it's moving. But but what what really got me on this is when you look back when he first started, yeah, you could see where he's clicking. Yeah, no, it, he was funny. It it really looked like he just started again. Like it was it was like oh, it he, was sad. He is just starting. I don't think it's sad. Really? No. To lose your chops that much? Yeah. Is that you saying that because you think eventually you will get back to yeah. a well-oiled machine? Yeah. Because when you don't I, think if you stay away that long, you might, once it's gone, it's gone? No, I, but I, I, I'll tell you this. I did comedy. When I first did comedy, I did it for like six months. And I really liked doing comedy. But then uh, I also had my kids and I had some opportunity to work. And so I said, well... Comedy is like a dream. This is a reality. And I went and ba- back and did my job. And then it was five years before I did comedy again. 
And in that six months, I wasn't great, but I had some a little bit of skill that I developed, and I had a little bit of timing. And I, and I got to be honest, when I came back, even after five years and not even having a long amount of time, it was really hard. That first that first year was super hard because it took over six, it took over six months to get back to where I was be, before. I couldn't get the timing right. I tried to rework some old jokes so that I could get some rhythm. And it just couldn't do it because, like, when it moves on, when he says it moved on, it moves on. Because, See, but when, I, when he says that, I take from that, like, like stuff that worked in the 80s right. won't work now. It's moved on. It's moved on. But as far as my ability, my skill set, that's the part where I go because I've never stayed away from it that long where I go – is it something you can regain or it's moved on like it's gone? No, I think you can regain it. But, I mean, you have to be patient because you, uh, like anything else, I mean, like it, it's like atrophy of a muscle. Like if you don't use a right. muscle, you get an accident and, it right, gets, right, right. and you, watch, like you watch your muscle get small and it shrinks and then right. you have to train it to use it again. Right. I think that's what comedy is. It's a muscle and it, it right. atrophies. And you, 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 when you don't do it for 12 years, it comes back in a wheelchair. <laughs> you know I, you know as i was watching this you know tommy davidson those analogies yeah the surfing one and yeah. the karate one i read the comments and somebody said something about oh, man that's too deep stop it ain't that deep it is it is that deep because i can tell you right now everything that he was saying in terms of be like you muscle memory being in the moment being where you don't even think about it. And I, I've always said, look, man, if I could come back in another life, I would love to be a professional basketball player because I love basketball. I just, for a nigga, ain't got no skills. That 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 and the dick DNA just washed over me, passed me by. But um, I, I would imagine it's the same thing. The way Michael Jordan can back you down in the post, shoulder shimmy, turn around and hit that beautiful fadeaway and make it look seamless. That's a muscle memory. He's he's done it a million times. Right. And as a comic, when you're on stage, certain things you just you you know instinctively you know the timing, the moment, certain moments while they're different, they're the same. And all of that comes together where you could close your eyes and go, uh oh, this moment is coming. So I know for this moment, I have to go. And it all does what it's supposed to do. But it's almost like you don't even think. Like you said, like you know it's coming. It's not like you actually are thinking it. You're feeling it. You're fe- you, it's, you, you know. know. You know it's happening. Yeah. And it's not like where you're like, like when Michael Jordan, that, that one play where he switches hands and, and, right. and, and he, he, there's no way he thought about that. I'm no. going to go up to And he and, said he didn't. He yeah. said he, he goes, I don't think about anything I do. Right. It, I, it just happens. You feel it. You know that you right. need to do it for whatever reason right. that's happening. Right. And that's how it happens. And that's right. what works when it's, when it's in. And, and sometimes, and sometimes, uh, and it happens less as you go on, but you get it wrong. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, when Dave did the equanimity special and the guy and he's you know dave is on stage with his vape pen and somebody yells out hey let me hit your vape pen and dave goes no i'm trying not to get herpes tonight let's all just leave here with the lips we came here with and again that nigga's off the cuff shit is better than most people's sets right 
And so it's like, and you've seen me do it a hundred times where I say, usually it's a black dude. When I talk about his woman sucking his dick so aggressively, she sucked his hair away. And he went from an Afro to a convertible. Yeah. Now I've done that a million times. But what was new, even though the situation is the same, what was different was the white guy yesterday, head full of white hair. And I said, damn, she sucked that nigga to an AARP card. And And the audience lost it. I lost it. Now, did I know I was going to say that? Not until that very last moment. Because up until then, I had been saying, black dude who's bald, yeah, she sucked the afro away. But Tommy was, he's fucking right. And, and, and Tommy's one of my top, one of my Mount Rushmore guys. Motherfucker's a beast, man. He gets a little, it, it, and Tommy's heart is as good as gold. But if you ever hang out with him, He'll he'll talk your ear off if you don't cut that nigga <laughs> off on, on all that you know philosophical shit. I said something last night that was different too in that rhythm, like you're talking about. Right? Because I was I was there, and there's this part where when I get into my set, and I'll say something like, uh, I'll call out the percentage of what the room, how what how many black folks are in the room, and I'll be mm-hmm. like, uh, this room is twenty nine percent black Jesus. Black, yeah, and, and so I said, but what I did last night is because we started the show before because the show was sold out. Right. And I had to start the show early because we had to get the show started. So people were still coming into the room. And I just go, this room is, I saw, I watched all y'all walk in. This room here is like 29% black Jesus. But I go, to be honest, the show started and everybody was still coming in. So a lot of people came in late. So this room could be, mm-hmm. and I just stopped and I didn't even, I just put my hand like, and everybody got what I was saying right. because it's, 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 it's a hacky little bit, but right. how black people are always late, but I didn't say it. Right, and I didn't have to say it, and it was that snowing. That's if I would have said it, it wouldn't have been funny. Right, right, right. But right, not right. saying it and letting them do the hacky yeah, part in their head. Yeah, 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 yeah. Changed smart, the way smart, that smart. that happened. But right. I didn't know that. I've never done that before. But that's what we're talking about. Just right. knowing. Yeah, be, being in the moment and being able to seize it and know what's going on. And and look, I, fuck it. I, take me out the equation. I don't want to be on some cocky shit, but. I think that's what separates good comics from great comics is because some dudes don't feel comfortable outside my script. This is, this is my, my playbook, my material, my script. They, they don't even want to try to seize those moments. And, and, I, and, I, and I've said it before, I used to be that guy when it came to crowd work. I was, I was going, oh, God, please don't no, let nobody yell nothing out. Please don't be drunk. Please don't fuck with me. I don't want no trouble. I was like a scared slave. I don't, I don't want no trouble. And, but I just was so in awe of D.L. Hewley and Joe Torrey and their ability to murder motherfuckers. And, 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 do, and I said, dude, it's like if you're going to be the best basketball player, okay, you got the jump shot down. You know how to dunk, but you got to work on your defense. You got to work on your passing. Your, 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 your comedy IQ has to go up. And that's how you make your IQ go up, taking those fucking risks. But and, and funny that you said that because the people that you named and yourself, I will always say that if you don't that watching them on a YouTube clip or watching this right. doesn't do it justice. If they don't see you live, right. if you don't see Hughley live, right. you're not you're not getting what, what's really going on right. in the show. You're getting a seventy percent of what the show right. is, and Be- depending on how shitty the footage is. Less, less. So uh, it, that's that's and that's what makes live comedy worthwhile. 
and there's only so many comics that do it the way that you do, uh, Hughley does, that, that really... That's why. That's one of the reasons I like Attell so much too. Attell right. changes his show all the time, right. uh, depending on what's going on. So, uh, yeah. Um, dude, I don't understand how the fuck Carlos is so cocky for a guy that steals. Well, this yeah, is a, yeah, this is a long yeah. time ago though. He, uh, yeah, but damn, that was so cocky. If you ain't from, if you ain't, I forget how he worded it. If you ain't selling out in Poughkeepsie, if you're well, not you selling, selling out in Des Moines, if you ain't se- with the indication being you're not that, killing it, yeah, right, that he's killing it everywhere. That you ain't shit. It's like come, you know. Listen, I, I'm. I know I have my moments of arrogance. I know I'm an arrogant nigga, uh, but I'm. I'm very meticulous about where I display that arrogance because my biggest fear is, and I truly believe this, the moment you start thinking you the shit, oh, life is funny. God's a funny guy. <laughs> so much. as far as this stage shit, I try to be as humble as I can so that if one day God decides to give me the Danielson and sweep the leg, uh, my my fall to the ground ain't that hard. Um, that's 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 insane. And you know we we we, we kind of talk like like Aunt Gay Comics. I had asked you yesterday, are there any gay comics that legitimately make you laugh? And I said yes. Uh, and then I even displayed a laughter in the bit that happened up here. You know, I have yet to see any. Because my problem with it is they, they always play up the gay. Todd Glass doesn't. To, at, right. And you don't even know Todd Glass is gay unless he tells you. Okay. But, and I'm not saying you, I think should, other you shouldn't touch it. Because, yeah. you know, fat guys who make jokes about being fat. Okay. Black comics who do jokes about being black. And I don't. I know some comics call that hacky. No, that's par for the course. Yeah. You, you're talking about what it's like to be you in your world. Yeah. But... It's like entering the bathwater. You don't jump in. You slowly slide in. You right. In. I, uh, you warm up to the temperature of the room. Right. Um, but, damn, can that not be the only thing? And, and, and when I say that, because every gay comic I've ever seen plays up the fact that I'm gay. Thomas Dale does not Oh, my God. What? I suck that dick. Like, I don't, don't want to hear all that. I don't want... Ugh, but he's playing the, the, the vision. I don't. I don't want the visuals. But that's playing to a room of all very extremely gay friendly and gay people. That's why they do that. It's just like selling some other part of your culture. That's what they're selling. But Thomas Dale, who I think is a very funny comic, it's a comedy store uh, store comic. Uh, I've seen him headline. He's funny. He's funny, and he does. It's not that. It's not the only thing he's selling in his act. But when he when he when he's when he does sell it, is it that honey smacks? No, it's not. It's it's it, and and Ty Rivera from Arizona, uh, the, the, from out of L.A. Now he says some things that are really like it will make you step back a little bit. Yeah, because, see, but, the visual, but, like, 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 but like, you, but you, why do you put the visual in your head? Don't put you, the visual. You can't, you can't, I, we, I t- you can't help but no, you know, the, no, you no, know, no, 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 no. When, 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 when a dude tells a dirty joke about getting his dick sucked by a woman or fucking a woman, one, I can relate Two, that visual ain't nothing but a porno that I would watch on the internet any other time. When I hear a gay comic go, oh, I said, fuck me in my ass. 
Oh God! But you were we were watching it, and Ant is on this. Yeah, and Ant says this joke about they everybody mistakes him for Mario Cantone. Yep. And so these two gay guys come up to him after the show and think he's Mario Cantone, and they go. He says to him, "What are you going to do?" He goes, "We're going to go back to the hotel and fuck." And he, oh! And that's what killed you. And then he. Oh! But the joke was, the joke was he goes, "Well, Mario Cantone is 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 what do you say, horny too, or something like that, something or like, like that, like." And to me, what was funny about that is, is that those guys are going to go back and say we were fucking Mario Cantone, but they were fucking Ant. So that was funny to me you, so outside that, so, of it. So that because means, I don't have to see the fucking to see. Whoa, the, 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 well, what you just said? Yeah. Well, say that part again. I don't have to see the fucking. No, no. Before head. that, what you? They're going to go home and they're going to. They're going to fuck. They're going to fuck. But no, you just said something where you elaborated on it more. They're going to go home, and oh, and those two guys are going to think that they fucked Mario Cantone. Right. You really watching the porno? No, but I didn't put that in my head. No, I, it's in your head. No, what I thought was funny is that those two guys are like are going to go tell people that they were fucking Mario Cantone, and Mario Cantone wasn't there. That's what's funny to me. That's the that I got the Remember illusion that part of the I said joke. About black men and sexuality. There it is. Yeah. Now I'm a victim. I'm, there it is. I'm guilty I, of my I own. I didn't even see that in my head. I don't know how you don't because I don't want it. I didn't want to see two guys fucking each other and throwing a third guy in there. That's not what I was looking for. I found so I, you can eat the pizza without the cheese and the sauce. I went and saw the funny. I went. Fuck I went right that. to the you funny. Give me the pizza. I'm taking the whole pizza. I went and saw I, the you funny. Can't separate one from another. I don't have to. I don't have to run that video oh, in my head. Jesus Christ! <laughs> We're gonna fuck. I, I had to do the surprise. Now, when you did that Italian. voice, you did that oh. voice. When you did the voice, it was worse. If he would have said it like that with the voice, like we're gonna, like <laughs> and it was, funny. and it was hard. We're gonna fuck. Then maybe it would have changed it for me. But he didn't say it that way. He, he said, said it with it, the the honey smacks. He said it in the in the quick funny way. Like oh, we're gonna fuck, and that that just <laughs> went past me. Uh. And then they got to the part where I ain't going to say their names, but dude, I said this before. And I mean, what a fucking passion. Twin comics, duos, it's the hackiest shit in the world. Dude, I- it is the hackiest. You know, it's like when you do an interview, that's a chance for the audience to know who you are. Right. As a person, not your act, not your shtick. Them niggas is doing shtick. We're going to finish each other's sentences. We're going to pick up where the other one leaves off. Like, get... Dude, I hung out out with those guys. That's how they are. They really sit... You you really engage in a conversation with two different dudes. And the other one... With two different... Not even in the same room. I've been in like the green room with them, and one's in the room, the other one's in the bathroom. One's saying that like you say something, and then they're, ta- they're they're talking. The other one will come out of the bathroom and finish the sentence. I would drown both them niggas they, in that hot tub. They are married. They are ma- okay. Listen to this. They live like a mile away from each other, and they're married to sisters. It's just they're very similar guys. They're funny. That they're is very shit funny. and vomit. And, and then mix. one met the one one met. The uh, one met the girl, one, his the girl that he met, oh, and corny. then he met the sister and said, "Oh," and introduced him to his brother, and they all they that's met. corny, but that's who they are. Yeah, okay, it's corny shit. I think when I watch them, though, I'm going to be honest. Now, I I not I, I, de- I defended them on who they are as people because that I I don't I feel that's who they are. But when I listen to their show, if you close your eyes, I almost hear like old time radio. 
Like where they're da 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 da, and then the other person. Yeah, boys and girls, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And the other person comes back and forth. This show has been brought to you by Maxwell Coffee, but the true coffee for the coffee lovers. But I understand why you feel that way because I almost can hear that. But that's not who that's not who they are. That that's really they're they're funny guys, and that's who they are. But it is a definite and it's a unique experience, and you got to be able to enjoy that. And tell me why you think that Todd Glass bird joke is funny. The Todd Glass he goes, "Why do birds live in bad neighborhoods? Why would a bird live in a bad neighborhood? Right? Because if you can fly anywhere you want, why wouldn't you go? Because I have a hard time separating the logic from it. A bird doesn't know what. He also a, says that he's high at the moment when he says that joke. Okay, well, there's a, there's funnier high jokes. No, so maybe it's a high joke, but I think it's funny. It's a it's a whole, it's a weak high joke. You see a bird and you're so high and you go, "Why would a bird live in a bad neighborhood?" You could live anywhere you want to. You're a bird. Let's, let me give you people a chance to catch up, <laughs> slow down your laughter, and, and uh, catch your breath. I didn't here's, see. A, here's a funny high joke if you want to talk about a high thought. Lewis Black, why does toilet paper need a commercial? Very Who the funny. fuck's not buying this? Very funny. Come on, man. That tie glass joke is weak. I, I still think it's funny. Well, it's subjective. It's very, it's just, it's very just thrown out there. There's nothing to it. What do you think about Janine Garofalo? You know, I really respect nice girl, her. very I, nice. I, I, respect, I worked with her on that Lalawood movie with um, Martin Short. I really respect her. I respect the work that she does. She is more alternative than what I enjoy. Is she a feminist? Yeah, you could, you could tell. I mean, it just. She looks like her pussy smells like rubbing alcohol. No, I think she'd be fun to hang out with. I think she'd be fun. I think so. Yeah. Uh, can a feminist be fun? Why not? Yeah. You nice motherfucker, you. Why, would, why wouldn't a feminist be the greatest person? Think about I, I mean, are we, are we talking sexually? No. I think a feminist... Because most of the humor that we like is what they're against. I don't know. It's not that they're against what we like it's it's how it's done and how it's presented i think feminists have very funny it can be very funny and have funny jokes but it, when it gets to the point where you're not allowed to say anything all right then so what are we hanging out for i, I do think that there's a that there's a line but i think that, that there's some funny comedy that's in there and, and it comes i don't like restrictions on comedy that's my problem with comedy i don't either but i i, I just like comedy you know to be funny and doesn't feel like it's coming from a, you know, from well, a certain standpoint of. <clears throat> because, and here's the, pro- here's the problem, not only feminists, but anything that's racial or anything. Everybody right now at this place feels like everything in the world should be presented as uplifting. We should never go negative. And comedy isn't just about being uplifting. Sometimes it has to tear down. Well, they did the section about taboos. You need, you, you, you need. Yeah. That's, that's, that's where the ultimate genius comes in. Right. To be able to talk about rape and racism and abortion and all the ugly Holocaust and all the ugly things that. Anything that's horrific that you right. can make funny allows people that lived or feel something horrific and you give them a moment, even if it's a second where they snicker, laugh, chuckle right. at something horrible, you've saved them. 
a little bit of their life. You, right. you, you, you fix some of that stuff in their heart. And people don't understand. And, and when uh, some of the jokes that I do, if you're not going to listen to the joke... And you're gonna get, you're gonna react just to the taboo part of the part that you're not supposed to say. You're not gonna get where the meaning comes, what what happens with it, and the fix. Sometimes you have to bring up horrible things so that you can fix them. Right. And that's and that's comedy. Mm-hmm. And and this trigger sensitive society isn't gonna let you get to that because they're gonna ooh it and be and check out. I've had people check out. You've had people check out. That's not. You're not giving. You're not letting comedy do what comedy is supposed to do. Then. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, Jim Gaffigan said something about uh, it's it's difficult to go from because he's also squeaky clean. Uh, yeah, and I think he really prefers to work that way. But he said, did he say he does? He has an oral sex. He said or, he had, had he had. He said it's hard and, to and go when he from started. an oral sex joke, then switch to a joke about swimming pools and bacon and bacon. I agree. Yes and no. It depends on your skill set. Some dudes have the ability to do that. Some dudes simply don't. Um, Chappelle can 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 do a raunchy joke and then switch and do some silly lighthearted shit and destroy it equally. Same with Patrice. Same with Burr. You know, again, I I, I, I use basketball analogies. That's your skill set. How much can you do? There's a difference. And I'm, I, I think, and I, I haven't been in comedy long enough, and I don't know that I have the skills to speak on people who've done comedy a lot longer than me. But I'm going to say what I think the difference is, and why he feels the way he does, and why you just said that about Chappelle. And if anybody disagrees, I guess too bad. Uh, if you're doing a character on stage, mm-hmm. even if it's a little bit of yourself in that character, but it's a character. I don't think that you can switch back and forth like that. Like Gaffigan's talking. That's a character of Gaffigan. When he talks like that. When you're Chappelle and you're doing Chappelle, then you have to be able to talk about bacon and oral sex because that's who he is as a person. Right. But when you're doing the character to slip in and out, I don't know if that's a possibility. That makes sense. Because that character doesn't do those kind of jokes. Right. Well, and I was also going to say, because remember my man, Alex Thomas, who came out to San yeah. Diego? Yeah. You know, he, we, I remember, <laughs> it's the funniest shit. We were, we were all, it just happened that me, him, and Guy Tory all met up at the same time at Baggage Claim. We were all coming from separate gigs. So as we're waiting on our bags, we're, we're shooting the shit. And we're talking about comedy and this very thing. And it's like, I guess... If I look at it like if you're the headliner and you're doing an hour, hour 15, hour 30, yeah, you still have to have the range. And if you do have the range, with that much time, you can deal with that. But when your feature is a guy who goes up for a half an hour and does the most raunchiest shit and then has to bring you up and you are the exact opposite of that, I could kind of then maybe see how that could get in your way because there's there's some comics, uh, you know, and it, 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 and really this these motherfuckers' skill set is nothing but the most raunchiest shit because it's the easiest shit. Uh, but basically, he sets it up where 
just before he get re- Alex gets ready to come out and close <laughs> the show, the dude in front of him is closing, and his last bit is, and that's how you eat corn out of bitch booty hole. Y'all ready for your headliner? And he goes, now I'm supposed to come out and talk about my trip to France? So, and I don't know if, 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 if he's given the audience enough of a shot to go, are they intelligent enough to separate corn out of bitch booty hole? And then are they willing to listen to the stories about France? Because we've worked some clubs, pussy ass nickel, where <laughs> eating corn out of bitch booty hole is exactly what them niggas need. Yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. Fucking the uptown. Them slow country motherfuckers, half wit motherfuckers, they not equipped you talk handle, too fast. Yeah, they're not equipped to handle a story about France because half them motherfuckers probably don't even know what France is. They ain't never left Atlanta. They 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 that slow slave life. Why are you talking about France? I've never even been out of Atlanta. Pussy ass nickel. <laughs> How much that CD wool? Where, where they you? Like you know what I mean? So that. Eating corn out of bitch booty hole fits that. And it, and I watched what worked there, and that's what they want. Listen, you can't, just because it's fine dining, don't mean it's going to be appreciated by everybody. But you can't take every ratchet bitch from the ghetto to Mr. Chow's in Beverly Hills. They won't appreciate it. Well, why, where's Sizzler at? But you know what? They really like, did. Bitch, don't you know uh, this is a roof, Chris, steak? You don't hear the sizzle off that bitch? Touch the plate with your finger and burn yourself. You don't smell the butter off that motherfucker? Well, give, give him a sizzler. We're out back. But you know what? I, I, the only problem I have with even giving that the people in that room a hard time is after the show, there was people there that really did come up, enjoyed it, but they just... they. It seemed that that room only got that guttural laugh from bullshit jokes. Bullshit like jokes. Easy jokes. But, going out of bitch booty hole. But they still, la- they still appreciated that the people who were being and came over the end, did the meet and greet, but they appreciated it. They just didn't have that same reaction to those jokes. They were almost... We know we're supposed to like this $60 lobster. We know, we know we're supposed to enjoy this... $50 steak, right? Well, get the fuck out of here, man. Um, you know, and, and, then that, and then that Burt guy, those two guys were talking about, um, you know, trying to compare comedy to music in the sense that he was like, yeah, certain people, they don't want to hear the same jokes. Um, yeah, they do. I, I've countless times. I had somebody last night, yo, you going to do the... The Shakespeare shit. I had people go, yo, you do the habiday, habiday, the Mexican, yo, dude, yo, do the such and such, the rappers. That Jay-Z performing in. Right. It's still one of my favorite pieces. Look, like I said when, and about the Elvis thing, depending on your skill set and what you have the ability to do, yo, this shit penetrates with people. Yeah. Now, yes, in music, it's different in the sense that you know, you, 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 they want to hear the hits. It's what, they, it, it's what they came up to. It was the soundtrack for their life. Jokes, you, you know, you, you, you do have to change and, and keep evolving. 
Um, but the surprise of the joke is gone. It's I think gone. That's what they're, they're talking right, about. Right, the surprise You can't element. surprise them anymore. Right, and the surprise is the rush yeah. when you first hear a good joke. Now, they joke. may love the joke, but you... Right. But uh, Don Marrera talks about that on another uh, thing that I saw where he talks about, you know, he, he goes, I can't win. Uh, I go in and I, and I have a new hour and I do all that. And someone comes up to me and goes, but you didn't do the Vinny, Vinny bag of donuts thing. And then he goes, but he goes, and other times I do the Vinny bag. And he goes, I've heard that before. So he, right. he, we, you don't know who who's going to appreciate right. and who's not. Right, right, right. Um, should we get back into this? Yeah, let's go back and watch the video. All right, so the show just ended. Yeah, um, so we, we, we last left off with my man Schneider at the Lizard Zoo <laughs> bar trying to do stand-up, and the banner on the what was supposed to be a stage said Friday Night Steamed Comedy. Oh, Jesus. I wanted to jump out of a window for him. I laughed, man, because I... On certain nights, if I want to go work out a joke, I'll run over to a bar and go in that same shit. You know, I, I think that because I've been fortunate enough to not have to go down that road. Like, that's the normal way of things. Right. Where you start off in bars, wherever you can perform, wherever there's a night. Then you eventually work your way up into a club and go from open mic to feature to headliner. But like, and I know we've discussed this. I skipped the the um, the feature process. I skipped the comedy condo. I skipped the whole. I mean, I did holes and walls, but that was really like I didn't. Ha- I was already doing TV. Right. You know what I'm saying? I didn't. It wasn't when I was doing holes and walls. I was 14, 15. 16 from I was if yeah damn I, I like it's hard to to encapsulate it because from 14 to 22 you know I was doing I had done theater shows with Bill Bellamy and Bernie Mac and Madison Square Garden and 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 what whatever black comedy clubs were at that time it was never towards the level of Dude, this is just a bar who just happens to start wanting to do a comedy night. Some comedian put together a show. Yeah. For drink money. Yeah. Uh, dude, I've stayed the, the, the comedy condo that's in the show. At the Tampa, at the Tampa Improv. I, I stayed at that. We sat, we watched it. We sat and we watched the table we sat at and talked about that shit. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, it. I don't know how old. I forgot when this came out. I'm comic. It's old though. This is an older. Yeah, and uh, every all the furniture, the sofa, everything's not, the nothing same. Nothing changed. No, it's dirtier. <laughs> right. But the dust, the dust that was in that room is still in that room with more dust on top of it. Right. And I remember you saying that in that room, how you were happy that you got to bypass all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but but do you honestly? Let me ask you this question then. Do you think that maybe? Some of the appreciation for uh, comedy, you you might have missed out on a little bit then. If I had this, gone uh, through... Appreciation, let me reward that. Appreciation for the success that you had. Do you think that you might not appreciate it as much as you, you could if you had to go through all that other shit? 
Well, I appreciate it on, on the level because even though I didn't, you know, listen, I might not have traveled through the shit tunnel of Shawshank to escape, but I still experienced Shawshank. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If, if that makes any kind of any kind of sense. But you know you, I mean, it, it's it, it, I still went through my fair share of shit right. without going through shit. But what I'm saying is if you would have went through all that shit, do you think you would look at this and go, man, I can't believe that I'm, I, I made it from there to here? Because you made it from there to here, but you didn't No, have but here's the scary part. In this business, you can go backwards. Yeah. So you can still do that. Yeah. You know, you, 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 your flame dies... You know, you make money based on the assets you put in the seats. So, you know, you can go in reverse. Yeah, no. And that's probably more depressing. I, I, was, I was given a fair warning by a club owner a long time ago and said some of the greatest advice he goes when you're... Is this the Eddie Bro thing? Nope. Oh. This is, a, this is a, a club owner told me. He said when you're hanging out, he goes, be really cool when you're in the green room. Understand there's only two comics that are going to be in that green room with you ever. He goes, ones that are on the way up and ones mm. that are on the way down. Wow. That's from a club owner's perspective. Right. Because you got to think about it. There's very few that can maintain a level for a long period of time. Right. Everybody else is coming up or going down. Right. And sometimes you can come up and you can go down, then go back up and go back down again. Right. So, But I understood what he was saying. So yeah. He said, just make sure you, you realize that when you're sitting in that room and what you say. Well, you know, and, and some of those club owners, as, as Todd Glass pointed out, you know, it's nice when they get it right, don't they? Because yeah. there's only a handful that get it right. You know, Gotham, uh, before it was uh, being remodeled, my man Justin, who ran the uh, Miami Improv yeah, the- and, and the Fort Lauderdale Improv and now runs the West Palm, Justin no, Justin gets it right. Like, there's only a, a, a finger full of dudes. The DC Improv. The DC Improv gets it right. You know, so these these motherfuckers is quick to, you know, it doesn't change what he told you because he's right. But some of these guys, you know, it goes for them, too. Yeah. They they come up and stay up and some of them go backwards and never are to be seen or heard from again. Yeah. So, yeah, that works both ways. What was the advice that Eddie Brill gave you? Who was the booker for Letterman? Um, I was doing a I was doing a showcase and. I was trying to avoid him because I hated my showcase. Mm. And he was the judge of the showcase, and he was looking for people for something. And uh, he walked up to me. He went and found me, and he goes, Andy, he goes, it was really funny what you're doing. He's like, you got, some, you got something to keep working it. And, uh, and he, he sought me out, so that was kind of nice. And I go, man, I go, I didn't really, I, I was so embarrassed, man. I didn't want to see you. I go, I, I hated it. I hated my set. He goes, why did you hate your set? And I go, because all I kept thinking about was don't use any foul language. Don't, and there was, it wasn't like it was just my, had a bunch of foul language. I just had a few. And uh, I think it was one of the club owners right. told me, don't put any foul language, take all that out because, you know, this is uh, for a TV set. And he goes, man, I don't know why they tell you that, that kind of shit because that just gets in your head. You go on stage and you, 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 your timing's off. and everything. He, goes, he goes, from this, he goes, just listen to me. He goes, anytime you have something that you want to present, do the set right. the way that you do it and the way that you do it best. And he goes, put that set out there. And then if we want it, 
we'll come up to you and we'll figure out a way to fix that for the TV. But let us hear what you're really doing. Oh, that's good. Because that way we know who you are and if we right. want to work with you. Because if it's good, we're going to want to work with you. Right. But if, you, if you're presenting something that you're not even comfortable with, it's not going to come across and, right. And you know what? To, to that point, back to when I hosted the AVN Awards, it really bothered me that I couldn't say that gold bonds joke the way I want it. Like, it really bothered me. And, and again, at the top of this podcast, we opened up with words, Sam yeah. Silverman. And I, that's a joke where I know my gut tells me those words are key. Right. So I got a joke where I go, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want you guys to forgive me. If I'm a tad bit uncomfortable up here tonight from a physical standpoint, when I got out the shower this evening, I used a product that I've never used before called Gold Bonds Medicated Body Powder. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. It feels like my entire ass crack is smoking a Newport. My dick and nuts are starring in a York Peppermint Patty commercial. I don't know what they put in that shit, but it'll kill an STD. I tell you that. Whatever the fuck I thought I had is gone. Here's the way I had to do it. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, well, I, I basically couldn't say the key words. I couldn't go... Uh, uh, based on the situation, I, uh, I used a product that I've never used before called um, medicated body powder. Couldn't say gold bonds. I'm not going to lie to you. It feels like my entire ass crack is smoking a menthol cigarette. You need Newport. But, well, because it doesn't allow their mind to get into the joke because you said menthol cigarette, so they just Yeah, they know cigarette. what a menthol cigarette is, but Newport is so specific. You know what I mean? It's, and it, it's, it makes them say... A menthol. menthol, right? Like your ass is experiencing menthol flavor, and and black people, we that's our cigarette. So if I had said, and you know, Marlboro Lights makes a menthol cigarette. If I'd have said I, I'm smoking a menthol Marlboro Light cigarette, nope, nope, niggas Newports. That's key. My dick and nuts are starring in a, in a peppermint patty commercial. To me, that York, because every time you've seen those commercials. I get the sensation, a York peppermint, you need that specificity. You wanted to put the image in everybody's head yeah. as they heard you say it. So, you know, when he, when, he, when he tells you that, bravo, because there's nothing worse than trying to edit. And listen, I've done jokes where I've been clean. I just take, I don't, it's hard for me because a lot of my shit is curse words. And again, I've said this before, there's a difference between cursing just to be cursing for effect versus it being poetic. Right. It's necessary. It's part of the rhythm. It's part of the rhythm. Um, and it throws my rhythm off. Um, yeah. And especially when you're in your head going, don't say it. It's coming right, up here. Right. And when we're, and we're doing it and when we're, like you said, when it's a reflex, it's a coming natural. Right. When you're having to think about, Okay, seven words for now, six words for now. It, it's something your shot is off. And, and, and that's why it's like for me, doing clean comedy is like putting on a suit to perform. I fucking hate it. I can do it. I've done it. When I, when I, when I was opening up for Keith Sweat in Vegas for about a month, I think, and I think my, my agent lied to me because my agent's gay and he is so about fashion and he always tells me, Aries, you have to stop going on stage with your Timberland boots and your New York hat. And you've got to put on a suit. You've got to look good. And it was just like, look, if maybe if this was, 
obviously an award ceremony, TV. Yeah, I get it. But I'm just like, nobody, this is not televised. And I'm only on stage. And, and, and maybe if it, if it was even, I'm opening up for 20 minutes. Five minutes. It, it was the easiest money I ever made in a month for that kind of work. Five minutes. And I got to fucking every night put on this goddamn suit. And, it, for, and I'm going to tell you something. I think I had a panic attack. Because I think in the first week, I'm telling you, man, I was getting the shakes. I, I was getting the shakes. I couldn't remember my jokes. I, my hands were sweaty. I just didn't feel comfortable. I'm like, I'm Michael Jordan wearing a wizard's uniform when I belong in black and red. You know what I mean? I, I, I just, and finally, I, I couldn't take it anymore. And I, and, I, and I, towards the last week, I asked the lady who was in charge of kind of the show. My agent told me that y'all specifically said y'all wanted me to wear a suit. Do I have to? Because I feel more. And before I could finish, she goes, we never said that. Honey, dress how you want. <laughs> oh, my God, nigga. I felt like the new Superman had returned. If you ever saw Superman 3 with Richard Pryor, when the old, when the good, when Clark Kent destroys the bad Superman and he turns back into the good Superman, my suit, my, my, my jeans and my boots, like if that was my Superman, everything was crisp. The blues were bluer, the reds were redder. I, my boots were shiny. I, I felt like myself. I, I can't. I can't dress up for stand up, man. I, 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 guys who wear suits, ugh, I don't know how they do it. I feel. I feel locked. I feel like I'm. 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 I'm I got a chain around me. It's terrible. I just. I wear the same thing every day, no matter what. So that's another thing I love about this job. Every night is casual Friday. Yeah. <laughs> we get to wear whatever the fuck we want. But it's always jeans, a t-shirt, and some sneakers. Yeah. yeah. Um, let, let me ask you, because you've been doing it long enough now with me. Black crowds versus white crowds. Who's harder? It's, it's not, I don't know if it's fair for me to answer that. For me personally, I hate... A 50-50 split mixed black-white crowd. That's the crowd that I hate the most. Really? Yep. Why? I love mixed crowds. I like a mixed crowd, too, but I need a majority on one side or the other. Because, really? Yeah, because when I do some of the jokes that I do, I see like people, like I see white folks back up, like, am I allowed to laugh at that? And then and the niggas get mad. And I see the black folks looking at the white folks, like, are you going to laugh at that? And right. it, it, there's a, there's, there's a, I have to call it out because there's like a standoff. Right. On whether who it's funny to and mm-hmm. is it appropriate for it to be funny. Right. But when it's an all black crowd, I when it's an all black crowd, I, I feel like I really uh, I prefer if it, if I have to pick one or the other, all black or all white, right. all white's easier for me. Right. Do you agree with what Donnell Rawlings said? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Donnell Rawlings. I'm rich, bitch. He he said when white people it was this is very true. He said, when white people don't like you, they just, in kind of silence, go, okay, and don't say anything. When black people don't like you, motherfucker, get the fuck off the stage. Uh, niggas let you know how they feel. In Atlanta, I started to get, I started to get some keys, and then, I got, and then for whatever reason, <laughs> for whatever reason, I, I said something that got him off me, right. but the keys started to come out for, for a minute right, in, right. In, in Atlanta. So, Dude, I, I, I would discount anything in Atlanta. 
is just you can't discount anything because this is still the road, dude. And you've taught me this Fuck lesson. Them, no, but you taught me that lesson. The road is the road. The road is what makes you. Dude, I still, you know what? I got a lot. I got, I get a lot of out of the shows. And, and for me, watching Snyder go through this, watching Rich Snyder go through this. It's day it's, it's day to day for me though. It's well, no, not on not on that level. You're past that level. Yeah, but it's still that's painful, dude. Now I get what Patrice said. It's sad. Like it's that's painful, man. It was painful because he knew, like when he was talking about like shifting gears, moving over here, like we said, Jordan yeah, just all, does yeah, it. Yeah, we, we yeah he yeah, and he knew what to do. Right, he knew. He knew that he had that skill set in him. Right, but, but those could, muscles were weak. And he couldn't do it. The, the, here's the saddest part for me. And, and again, that's, that's why, again, I said earlier, I wonder, is it a question of, let's just say he's, I, I got to imagine that if he just stays with it, at some point, it'll come back. Yeah. Strong. Yeah. But I don't know. Well, so does it really? That's a question for me. Because when you, if you... If you look at an old person, no matter how much they work out and try and be in shape, age is, has taken over. Right. So they're never going to achieve nothing grosser than an old, in-shape body. It's, it depends on the perspective, I think. Because remember, at the end of it, he's talking about Twitter. But he's talking about it from a negative perspective, an old man's perspective right. towards Twitter. And if you can't get out of just looking at it from an old guy looking at right. Twitter, then you're just going to be an old guy on stage doing comedy. And you can't be old as a comedian. And what I mean by that is if you want to develop a new act, you have to be current. You have a to new have perspective. Everybody who comes to the show has to be able to relate to what you're saying. Not right. just old people. Young people need to right. be able to. That's, and I think that's the hardest part. And, right. and to try to start over again. At that age. Right. But I started old. You know. I, I started at the age that he's starting again. Right. And I just, you know, but for me it was a little different because I've worked in a younger industry for a long time. So right. I wasn't completely out of it. You know, the thing that uh, when he was like, you know, you have a window. And, you know, if you don't make that leap. You know, that window closes and, you know, guys like Foxworthy and other guys he knew coming up have surpassed him. Yeah. And I kind of feel like, you know, I'm watching that happen to me. Like Kevin Hart, boom. Tiffany Haddish, boom. D-Ray slowly doing his thing. But, again, I I know what my situation is. It ain't got nothing to do with it because this guy, Rich, said – Something about him as a comic, like like maybe it's you know something I'm doing wrong, my personality, my something in my skill set. I don't for me, I know it ain't my skill set. Um, that's not to say that I should be content with where I am, because yeah, you, in order to stay strong, you have to stay evolving and challenge yourself. Um, so that's up that's up to me to figure out when and where um, and how. But even that, even if I was doing that at a breakneck pace, that's not why I'm, why I am where I am. It ain't got nothing to do with skill set. It's got to do with all that other shit that exists. So for me, that's going to be the turnaround, but I'm not going to dive deep into that because I've, we've gone through this right. down this road. But 
I, it's almost like the, the hard, the saddest part or the hardest part is you're being left behind while everybody else gets their cap and gown. But it, that's not necessarily true because it all comes to t- about your timing. Look at Mark Marin. He watched a lot of people move up past him, further than him. And that's what's keeping me hopeful, what you just said. Yeah. Because, again, and I've said this before, we're in a business where one thing changes everything. Right. Dangerfield started later than everyone in the whole world. I tell you, I get no respect. I tell you. Yeah. And he just jumped in. Right. I, I, I think some of it, yeah, it's your work, but your time, like any other form of comedy, timing is important, and your time comes at that time, at the right time. Well, it certainly doesn't hurt help, help when you got, you know, whatever forces have been created either by you or whatever legend has spread through word of mouth. Like when you get a chance on, you know, watch the, the documentary when stand up stood out. And I mentioned this because there's this one moment in a nutshell, the cliff notes. It's all about the Boston comedy scene and how. Boston wasn't really on the map. It was L.A., New York before the boom, boom, excuse me. And finally, Stephen Wright gets the, the Tonight Show. He puts Boston on the map. Everybody's all about a brotherhood. Yay, we're finally on the map. Boston, yay, one of our own. But Lenny Clark, who was like the biggest local star in Boston comedy, he really wanted it. Like he really, he wanted it as bad as I wanted, and he got. He thought he was passed over, and then at some point, once guys continued to come out of Boston and make it, then there was a bitterness, and friends turned into rivals because it was like, nigga, I ain't giving you tags, I ain't helping you no more. You might blow up, and I, and I don't. So it started to become competitive. But at one point, Kevin Meany tells this story about how. Uh, Lenny Clark would go on stage and basically end his joke with, and Johnny Carson can suck my dick. Cut to the booker for Johnny Carson is coming to Boston to see Boston comedy. This is, this is about how Boston is about to get on the map, and they selected Stephen Wright. But Kevin Meany goes, I'm thinking to myself, there's no way Clark is going to do the joke. No way. Sure as shit. The guy's in the audience. Clark does his set. And Johnny Carson can suck my dick. Nigga, is it a mystery why you got passed over? Like, what were you thinking? To be that, what were you thinking? So, and, I, I, and I'm not running around telling, hey, you Hollywood guy, suck my dick. Even though that's what will be told in the lie that has been told by the time the story gets to who it needs to get to, <laughs> where it started out as me going, hey, man, I ain't doing that. Now it's evolved into Aries said, suck my nuts, because that's how the shit works. You know, and, and, and in watching Schneider rob this guy. He's actually very funny. Yeah, yeah, and, and most comics, and, and, and again, this is a disclaimer for arrogance, because I don't want to come off this way, but I'm not in this to try to be okay. I'm in this to try to be on some people's Mount Rushmore. You know, I'm in this to try to be Patrice level, Burr level, Dave level. But there's really a, you know, just because you accomplish what we all 
as comics is supposed to accomplish. Ha ha he he laughs. There's a difference between average material and superstar material. Average laughs and superstar laughs. That's why I'm sitting here going, again, maybe because of my work ethic and I'm a little bit lazy and I don't get out much to, to really get on stage as much as I should when I'm in town in L.A. at home. But I don't want just, ha, laughs. I like roars. I like when you feel it in the back of the room. I like when you hear it. It goes through your body. Roar. So I want every joke from hello to goodnight to be a roar. But that's why I'm sitting here going, look, I know right now if I wanted to and I'll go, you know what? I'm going to write out my whole new hour right now from beginning to end. Forty five percent of it is roars. I know the rest are just laughs. And I could. And, and listen, if the goal as a comic is to get laughs, well, then I got it then. But I don't want to go. Here's my new hour. 40% roars, 45% roars, and the rest laughs. I want the whole thing to be roars. So Meany, Kevin Meany, not, yeah. not the, the most well-known comic, not right. the most famous comic, not the richest comic, right. but in the business forever, been on The Tonight Show, had a, a, very, had a, had a fan base and a career that, that paid for him to be Kevin Meany for his whole life. Mm-hmm. That's not how, how do you how do you relate that? Because that's not roars. That's not people. That, that's that's not up to me to say. But that's Kevin Meany up for him to say. If if he is content with. Well, he's dead. But, you know, rest is he dead? Yeah. Oh, shit. Well, any comic that's like that, if you're content with what you get based on what you do and your skill set. Mazel tov. I, I can't, I, I'm not putting this on behalf of... So you're not putting anybody that doesn't have roars in any other place. No. You're just saying, this is what I... This is what Airy I, Spears. In my mind, the most impactful comics, the ones that people go, hey, man, here's the short list of bad motherfuckers. Dave Chappelle, God rest his soul, Patrice O'Neill, Bill Burr. Now, here's where you can interchange it with whoever you like, but... I think those names are undeniable. Some might say Cat Williams went in his prime or Bernie Mac, God rest his soul, or whoever. But undeniably, dude, at least Chappelle, I want to be up there. I want to be, yo. Because, again, when you look at Chappelle set, where are the weaknesses? Equanimity. Uh, for, for uh, killing him softly, which to me are his two greatest ever. But even the ones that to me aren't as great as that, for what it's worth, the bird revelation, I forget what the one out of the spin and the one out of Austin, Texas. Where are the weak spots? From, you know, from the time he says hello to good night, it's strong. And, and I mean, Gut-wrenching roars. Do, do you know what I, I, I just realized that I like best about you right now in What's this that? comedy thing? Is that you are, you want this level that you're talking about. And that's apparent and obvious. But you're, uh, you're a fan. You've never 
grown past comedy where you're like, I see this dude and this dude is fucking, he kills. Right. That's where you can still look at comedy and go, that's a fucking killer set. That's comedy, man. Right. I'm a fan of that dude. Dude, let me tell you, if, 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 I, if, I, if I could sit up in a machine or set up a, some sort of device where I could pick my next couple lives and what I would like to do and do it on the ultimate level, I would want to be, without all the crazy shit, Mike Tyson. I would love to be a professional boxer, but be as ferocious to, to know that I could knock a nigga's head out the arena. In, 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 in a minute and a half, in the first round, and be that feared, what that must feel like to know everywhere I go, if a nigga point his gun at me to shoot me, his hands will shake while he's aiming it. You want you, that, that. That power. I, I would want to be Jordan. But do you to think- know I could, I could mesmerize people as I fly through the air and do the most miraculous shit that no one else could do. I think you could work in a life where if your body allowed you and your mindset, because Jordan's mind was the strongest part of his game. Right. If you had that, you could do that. But I don't think you could be Mike Tyson without the craziness. Because if, if you don't want to eat someone's children, I don't think you can <laughs> knock someone's head out the ring. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so some mindset are some issues right. there. I, like to be Mike and know what it's like to play with a fucking grown tiger and not be scared. The tiger better watch out. Like, nigga, I, I just, and, and, and again, Chappelle and Patrice, you know, we all like compliments and all of that. But it, it, it's like, I feel like I need them. Because again, where I'm at in the business, how I get treated or based on the perception if I didn't have that, I probably would be on antidepressants because when because because in my mind, I just need in my mind, I'm going, I know I ain't getting the shine of Kevin Hart. I've watched Tiffany Haddish, who used to come to my house. I would give her gas money because she ain't had no money to shoot sketches with me. Now this bitch is on the cover and in everything. That was, a, that was a happy bitch, though. Oh, right? goodness. She's, I'm sure she might be happy now. No, but I'm just saying, no, no, you're saying you weren't using bitch in a derogatory way. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I just want to make sure yes. the people out there understand. Because, right. Sometimes I have to. Because the it. perception of me, the rumor will be, man, he called Tiffany Haddish a slut hold it should be killed. <laughs> um, but to watch them progress, and I feel like I'm staying stagnant, I'm telling you, man, it eats at you. You start. You start. Picking away at yourself, going, well, damn, maybe I ain't, I ain't that good. Maybe I'm not as, but I, that's what I'm saying. I don't ever question my skills. I question my career. I, I know skill-wise what I do, and I'm not being braggadocious. I'm just simply saying that this shit is by design, man. We, you know, I'm, I'm going out there with the intention to annihilate the crowd. And when I get people to come up to me and go, hey, man, yo, you don't understand, dog. Like the nigga last night, yo, your delivery, the way you put shit together, how you blah, 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 it ain't an accident. I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to do MJ and go, hey, man, whoop, whoop, 360, ooh, ah, off the glass, shimmy shoulder fade away. I'm trying to do that. I like the oohs and the ahs. 
So, you know. All right. Before we get out of here, I got to read this email because this dude asked me this question and I'm going to shout him out. And this actually will segue into the last thing I want to hit on this comedy thing about the late, great Robert Schimmel. Uh, I'm glad you're bringing him up. Yeah. Give me from Brandon Palmer. First of all, Brandon, what's up, baby? Thank you for being a podcast listener. I appreciate you. I'm going to read you a nice, sweet email here. Hey, man, wanted to say your path is one of the hardest I've seen. Seeing you power through the trash and politics is inspiring for real. I'm glad you started the podcast because ever since I heard you were on The Champs, I always felt like you had something to say that could only be delivered unfiltered. Now you can. I've been on a binge with the podcast, and I've noticed how you and God ain't the best subject. So I was curious to know this. Do you feel this life is the only experience we will have? Oh, God, I hope not. For example, when a child is murdered, they, and that's me saying I hope not. For example, when a child is murdered, they go to heaven. That's a better place to be than living on earth. That's provided there is a heaven. That's me again, Aries saying that. I acknowledge this is predicated on believing in an afterlife. My question still stands. Do you feel this life is the only experience we have? Again, I hope to God not. Um, I always in my head envision heaven as being this place. Here comes the corny shit where there is eternal life. My one fantasy is that you can fly Um, because I would love to fly through the city of Manhattan uh, at night and look through people's windows. Um, And you can peer in on other people's lives when they ain't watching. Um, But also that you can all the people who have died, who are now all together in this eternal world. You can experience things now that you couldn't experience before. And everybody's 20. Everybody's in a prime. So eventually, when Mike Tyson dies, when he gets to heaven, he'll be in his prime. Ali's in his prime. And then we can see the two of them fight. That's my heaven. That's my fantasy. But again, we can all fly. So maybe we fly from the fight somewhere. All in the air like Superman. I don't, I don't fucking know. Um, I hope so. Because uh, if this is it, and if you knew that there was an afterlife and you knew it was sweet, I think most people would probably live their life the way they're living it here, knowing, ah, fuck it, I didn't really accomplish my dreams, but there's something better on the other side, versus if this is it, well, then shit, I fucked off. I should have did a better job, because if this is it, damn, this sucked. So I don't know, brother. Um, and what's depressing to me is that at this I Am Comic documentary, Robert Schimmel, he had a funny joke because his son was dying of cancer. And the Make-A-Wish people said, what's your son's dying wish? And Robert goes, my son's dying wish is to see his dad get his dick sucked by Dolly Parton. And the, <laughs> and the Make-A-Wish people said, well, we were envisioning something more like Disneyland or Knott's Berry Farm. He said, I don't give a fuck. She can suck my dick there, too. Funny fucking comic. And his kid's laughing the whole time. His kid's laughing. But here's what's crazy. His son dies of cancer. Robert Schimmel himself gets cancer, beats it, and then dies in a car accident. He beat cancer twice. Beat cancer twice and then dies in a car accident. Wait, wait, wait. It's not really even a car accident. He's driving. His daughter's driving. Daughter hits the the tire, kind of grabs the edge of the road, right, and it pulls them into the middle of a 
of the road, like a, on the freeway, like a, right. in a ditch. So it pulls him into a ditch, and he dies in that, that accident. Right. Not even like another car, just so, just so odd that out of anything, right. that's what happened. So, Palmer, if there is an afterlife that is supposed to be better than here, based on what Schimmel has gone through, if God is a woman, she should suck his dick immediately upon getting into heaven. That's the podcast. We're going to be in D.C. next week. D.C., baby! Washington, D.C. Ooh, ooh, it's one of those. I'm really excited about being getting back to D.C. A fucking multicultural crowd of different flavors. The women. It's the East Coast. It's the nightlife. It's the Mayflower Hotel. It's Mom and Bub's Triple D Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives sub-sandwich spot. There's Oohs and Ahs Triple Diners, Dive-Ins, and Drives soul food spot. We might actually do some touristy shit because I'm not really big on that, but it's D.C. And I've never really explored D.C., Outside of everything I just named. I did. So maybe we can have one. You did? I walked around last time. Well, maybe I could do that with you. Yeah. Because if it ain't too cold, maybe, you know. No, no. It's, it's, it's cool to go to the memorials. And I hope the weather's nice, man. Because, you know. It should be. Yeah, it might be raining a little bit. Anyway, we'll be in D.C. Uh, get your tickets because they're selling out. Yeah. We might even have to add a show on Sunday. Uh, so, yeah, man. D.C. in the house, baby. Aerie Spears. Follow your boy on Patreon. Facebook, Twitter. Oh, shit, I ain't on Twitter. Oh, Reflex. Pandora, YouTube, hit subscribe. You cocksuckers know the deal. Uh, Andy Steinberg, andycomedy.com. All my social media is in the upper right-hand corner of my website. Uh, T-shirts are available in all kinds of sizes and colors and different things, so please grab one. Um, Talk to you from D.C. Because if it ain't too cold, maybe, you know. No, no, it's 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 cool to go to the memorials. And I hope the weather's nice, man, because, you know. It should be. Yeah, it we, might be raining a little bit. Anyway, we'll be in D.C. Uh, get your tickets because they're selling out. Yeah, we might even have to add a show on Sunday. Uh, so, yeah, man, D.C. in the house, baby. Aerie Spears, follow your boy on Patreon. Facebook, Twitter. Oh, shit, I ain't on Twitter. Old Reflex. Pandora, YouTube, hit subscribe. You cocksuckers know the deal. Uh, Andy Steinberg, andycomedy.com. All my social media is in the upper right hand corner of my website. Uh, T shirts are available in all kinds of sizes and colors and different things. So please grab one. Um, Talk to you from DC. Pussy ass nickel.